You are listening to The Stender with Rabbi Michael Knopf, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Rabbi Knopf, please visit MikeKnopf.com. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit JcastNetwork.org. How many of you have seen the movie A Serious Man? Okay, a handful. So, um, this is an incredible movie. Uh, a great movie. Uh, it's a, a, a Coen Brothers movie. So like Big Lebowski, Fargo, that kind of uh, thing. Um, so they did this movie a couple years ago called A Serious Man, which is on its surface kind of like a modern take on the biblical story of Job, right? A guy where like everything starts going wrong for him in his life. Uh, and um, it's much more than just a, a modern take on the story of Job in the classical Coen Brothers way. It, it satirizes uh, a number of things, among them uh, American Jewish life uh, in the 19, uh, um, I think it's in, set in the 60s, in the 1960s, um, although uh, if you watch it, you might feel like actually not much has changed in American Jewish life since the 1960s, and in some ways it's a, a strong indictment of the uh, banality and uh, and boringness of Jewish life uh, at a certain period in time in certain kinds of uh, congregations. Um, and uh, so as a rabbi, I, I, I went to see while I was in rabbinical school, um, and I felt like every rabbi needs to see this movie because the way rabbis are depicted in the movie is precisely how most American Jews view rabbis, which is to say, droning on and on and on about topics that might have some glimmer of wisdom in them but have no real connection to any of the real things going on in people's lives. So uh, there's a great scene in it where uh, the 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 guys, who's the Job character, his son is having his bar mitzvah, and the rabbi's kind of droning on and on about Abraham while the kid is getting stoned in the bathroom, right? And um, But the scene that always sticks out in my mind is, uh, so the guy's going on, this is not a spoiler, you find it at the very beginning of the movie, the, guy, uh, the guy's wife is planning on leaving him. So he goes he wants to go to uh, the senior most rabbi of the synagogue to get advice about what to do about his wife leaving him. The senior most rabbi of the synagogue has no time for him. So he goes to the next senior most rabbi of the synagogue. And the next senior most rabbi of the synagogue doesn't really have time for him either. So he gets passed off to the junior rabbi of the synagogue, who looks very junior, and uh, starts telling him his problem. And the junior rabbi offers guidance that is supposed to, in the context of the movie, sound totally beside the point and not helpful at all to the main character. So you see this guy sitting in his office hearing the guidance from this rabbi looking at him like, okay, what are you talking about? But here's the guidance that the rabbi offers him, and I want to share it with you. So he says to him this, I mean, the parking lot here, not much to see. It's a different angle on the same parking lot we saw from the Hebrew school window. But if you imagine yourself a visitor, someone who isn't familiar with these autos and such, somebody still with a capacity for wonder, someone with a fresh perspective, that's it, Larry. It sounds to me like you're looking at the world, looking at your wife through tired eyes. It sounds like she's become a sort of thing a problem, a thing. Consider 
the parking lot. That's his guidance. Now, again, in the context of the movie, it's supposed to be totally beside the point. But when I saw the movie and I listened to that guidance, I said to myself, that is actually deeply profound wisdom. And I found myself repeating that to myself in some cases like a mantra. Consider the parking lot. Think of the parking lot because if you really hear what this rabbi is saying, there's a real deep truth to it. That we often, many of us, in our lives, look at our lives through totally tired eyes. We see the same things, we have the same experiences, we're with the same people, or so it seems day in and day out. The routines are the same, the patterns are the same, the work is the same, sometimes the meals are the same, the conversations, even if they're on different topics, are basically all the same. And so we start to look at our lives through regular eyes. We get accustomed very easily and very quickly to what's going on in our lives. And we get stuck in these set patterns that we just kind of accept without really thinking about it as our reality, as our set and our stuck reality. That the way things are for us is the way things always will be for us. And we look at our lives with a certain set of assumptions and a certain perspective about who we are and what we're doing. Usually it's not conscious. But we all of us look at our lives this way. And so imagine for a moment what your life would look like if you were a total alien someone total other than you looking at your life, right? Imagine your life was a reality TV show and someone was watching it who didn't know you at all, right? Imagine you're that person watching your life that doesn't know you at all. What would you see? What would it look like to you? Are there things that you would celebrate that you're not celebrating? Are there things that maybe you would change that you're not currently thinking about changing? Right? It's true, what it, that's what I love about traveling, is that you get to go to new places and see places and cities and attractions through eyes that people who are local will never see them. So I talk to people from time to time about like things I've seen and noticed and experienced in Richmond, people who've lived in Richmond their whole lives, and they say, oh my God, I never thought of it that way before. I never saw it that way before. I never did that thing. Right? And it happened when I was in Philadelphia, too, because Philadelphia is another place where people basically live their whole lives for generations and generations. And you go there as an immigrant, you go there as an outsider, and you say, you know, I didn't realize, you know, you know the people say use guys a lot here, right? And that's what happens in Philadelphia. They're like, no, I never really noticed that, right? Do you notice that people say y'all a lot in Richmond, right? <laughs> I never really noticed that. So when you're an immigrant to something, when you're a fresh set of eyes to something, you can see things and celebrate things and love things and maybe think of ways that you might tweak or change things in ways that you couldn't if you are totally native to that experience. Right? I think about this when people talk about technology immigrants and technology natives. Right? So those of us who are in um, uh, like the baby boomer generation, we're technology immigrants. Right? And those of us who are in like the millennial generation and younger, we're technology natives. So we grew up with the internet. 
right? We grew up with, uh, with, with computers in the house, so there's a fluidity to it, and we often don't really notice things about the functioning of these machines that somebody who is uh, a generation or two or three older than us notice about how machines function or don't function the way you want, the things that you might want to change about those machines, the things that you are amazed that they do, where a technology native would say, it's not so amazing that they do everything. But somebody in the higher generation, older generation, might look at a process or a program that a computer does and think it's totally miraculous. That's what I'm talking about. And it's true for institutions too. Right? So we are in members of organizations and clubs and synagogues that we've been in for our whole lives, we've been in maybe for generations. And for the most part, even though there are things that we might love about it, or things that we might, we might not love so much about it, often we kind of just look at it as if the status quo is what it is and is unbreakable. Whereas an immigrant to the experience, somebody who comes in new, somebody who comes in for the first time, a visitor, might see things totally differently. Might see beauty where we don't see beauty. Might see joy where we don't see joy. Might see problems where we don't see problems. I did this exercise with some of my lay leaders um, at my previous synagogue in Har Zion. I wanted to make the synagogue a more welcoming space. They said, Okay, you're going to do an exercise. Start from outside the parking lot. Imagine you're driving. Now, just put on just do the exercise. Imagine you've never been here before. Imagine you've never been here before. What was the experience of driving into our parking lot? On Saturday morning, you've never been here before. there to greet you, nobody's there to say hello, there's no directions pointing you to where to find your seat, to where the bar mitzvah is, right? And it was, it was as if the scales came off of their eyes because they never looked at their synagogue that way before through eyes that were totally immigrant to the experience. So our Torah portion this week talks about this phenomenon. In our Torah portion this week, Moses is continuing his final speech to the Jewish people before they enter the Promised Land. He says, Today, this day, the Lord your God commands you to do the statutes, these statutes and the laws, and to observe them with all of your heart and with all of your soul. And it's an interesting passage because Moses is talking to a, a generation 40 years after they had actually received the Torah. Right? They received the Torah 40 years before. So how could he be saying this day you've received the commandments when they received it 40 years earlier? And Rashi says the following, the great commentator, medieval commentator says, The whole yom yiyu be'enecha chadashim ki'ilubobah yom nitztavita alehem. Every day the commandments should be in your eyes like new. As if on this day, today, you were commanded to observe them. So what's Rashi saying here? Rashi's saying that Moses is saying, I'm commanding you today to observe the commandments means 
that you should see them today as if it's new. And it's true not only of how we look at the commandments of Judaism, but how we look at our lives, our relationships, our communities, our societies. How do we look at our lives each day with totally fresh eyes, with totally new eyes? That's what Moses is getting at here. Because it turns out the only way to grow, the only way to know how, what to celebrate and how to transform the things that need to be transformed in our lives is to, from time to time, be a visitor in our own lives, to see things from a perspective that we don't usually see them from. That, I think, is the power of Shabbat, because it gives us an opportunity to break and step back from our regular week, from our regular patterns of behavior, to step back and watch and look at a bird's eye view and review who we are and where we've been through eyes that we aren't using during the week. And that, I think, is the message and the power of the High Holy Days, that once a year, we totally step out, we totally step back, we watch that reality TV show of our lives as if we've never seen ourselves before and say, I didn't realize that there was such beauty in my life where I totally ignored it before. Or I didn't realize that I was screwing up in these ways and hurting these people and damaging these relationships in ways that clearly I can see when I watch it on the screen. And so this Shabbat, this Rosh Hashanah, and I think indeed each and every day, my prayer for each of us is to consider the parking lot. Shabbat Shalom.